Welcome. This is Joseph Vardy Presents. Um, I want to thank everyone for uh, joining us. Um, we have Jeff, Dr. Jeffrey Smith, Dr. Diane Byr Byron, and Brian, and also um, we'll wait for a few to join us. But right now, we want to say welcome, guys, and welcome to our show, and we're happy to have you, too. So, um, Jeff? Yeah. I wanted you to talk to Diane for a very long time about what she's going on with what she's doing. And she's she's been working in the practice for many years and Diane, you can continue and tell her what's what's up with you. Well hi Diane. Is Diane, are you there? <laughs> Maybe you'll have to have a different game plan, Joseph. Well, well, let's you and I talk about. Well, what is it that Diane does that you wanted us to talk about? She's a uh, psychotherapist like you are, and uh -huh. she's been doing, um, practicing, you know, her craft for about 30 years. And one of the things that she does, and I want to talk with you about, Jeff, is she helps people with post-traumatic stress, and she does it without drugs. And she's had some, she lives in um, where all the military in uh, Texas, where all the military is, uh, a lot of the military, and she has lots of veterans and lots of people that have problems with, you know, with post-traumatic stress. And so she's really helped people. And she's wanted to, for a long time, talk to you and, you know, get your input and stuff. So last time we were talking about stress and and uh, anxiety and depression. And Jeff, tell us what, how you handle that when you have someone come in and talk to to Because we have, any time we're ever going to have stress and anxiety, it's now. So Right, right. So, so tell well, me what you do. And Jeff, Jeffrey, Dr. Jeffrey Smith has a practice in Vista, California, and is an ex-jet fighter pilot who went back to school, and now he's working with. Okay. Hello. Hi, Diane. How are you this Hi. morning, Diane? Oh, <laughs> welcome, I'm, Diane. <laughs> Hi, I'm back. I again. was just Let's telling Jeffrey Smith that you were working with a lot of veterans and have lots to do with post-traumatic stress. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I do do a lot of veterans. Um, actually, um, you know, as not not only in what I do in my practice, but I have a huge equine therapy business that we just give that all to the to the soldiers and. What I found with all of that, I've been doing it now for 30 years, I found that it's not a standalone therapy. I needed more. And so to handle all this uh, stress, anxiety, and um, problems that we're having, not necessarily just with the vets. This, this is across the board with all populations and all ages. No, yeah. Um, I have uh, set up a device uh, um, that uh, bilaterally stimulates the brain. And as this is non-invasive, no, no drugs, no nothing involved, uh, as you do this and you talk about what is bothering the person, the person will automatically kick into detoxing the negative emotions that are in the irrationally stored memory. And what this device does is it sheds the emotions in such a way that you come down right down to childhood, really, which is where most of your PTSD has started. And um, 
we wound up putting it clean, no emotion. It's a neutral response over in long-term memory. It's quite a process, but it's, it's effective. It's short. It doesn't take long, um, maybe three visits, and you're, you're done. It's not going to reoccur unless you choose to pick it up and do something with it, but it, on its own, it'll never reoccur. And um, people are, are happy. I have run the medical trials on this. I had 280 people of all races, sex, um, origins, uh, religious uh, uh, affiliation, the trials came out with not one failure using this device. Wow. And um, that's a lot of people when you think about it. Um, and it was, and it's very effective on children. For example, I'll give you an example of a child that I had worked on. She was about four years old, and it was her first Halloween that she really was getting into it with a costume. But she stood at the door with her mother, and she was handing out candy. And this one very spooky one came in. I, I don't even know what it was, but it, in her mind it was spooky. And she got so frightened from that, she would not go to sleep at night. And she was sure that that thing was in her closet or under her bed. Oh. And this, this went on and on. So her mother brought me to it, and it took less than 20 minutes to detox that child of that, all that feeling. And it was done and over with out back in the yard playing. So that's pretty effective wow. when you think about it because today's children see tremendous things at home that they're not able to process or know how to handle. And uh, these, these type of events are cumulative. So you get one activating event when you're three, and then maybe another one will add to it when you're four, and on and on and on, and by the time you're 36, you got a lot of memories that really are, are causing you some problems. And this, this device definitely starts at the top and goes right down and cleans it all out to childhood. And then you're done. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty effective, Joseph. So how, you, how, how would one do that here? I mean, how, you have to be a person, right? Well, right now I, w I would because... Um, I haven't got the devices. The device isn't through manufacturing yet. Once it gets oh, through okay. manufacturing, I can train all sorts of people to do it. Uh, I'm more inclined wow. to keep it with licensed people that know what they're doing. I mean, this isn't a this isn't a Walgreens item that anybody can pick off the shelf and self-use. I I don't yeah. want this to be used in that manner. I think it, you need to take this kind of work more seriously than that. So would that just help for children, or is that everybody? No. Anybody, anybody. The trials, as I said, were run on anybody, all the way up to 80. The trials started at the age of four and ran through the age of, four, of 80. And they were military people. They were non-military people. They were security people, people all, all over. And it was no recidivism wow. at all, none, not one single one. And we compared it to, say, talking therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, where you're doing many, many sessions after a row. And this one was, there was none that went beyond three, three visits. And where we, we took the cognitive behavioral out nine visits, and the problems still weren't resolved. So that's, that's wow, a good Jeff, comparison. Wow, Jeff, what do you think about that? Well, I'm interested in hearing conceptually how how Diane sees the process working and 
the model I'm most familiar with that sounds close to what she's describing is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which I've been doing for about 25 years. It's true. Jeff, it it is similar. Um, But, you know, the problem with EMDR is it has a large protocol. And theoretically, if you're not going to use all their protocols, you're not supposed to be doing EMDR. And I found when I used that, my clients got very frustrated with going to safe places and that sort of thing. And, you know, week after week having these protocols that you had to finish. And and, um, this eliminates that. The protocol is basically client-driven. They they identify the problem. They hold the problem in their mind, and we bilaterally stimulate the brain. And we do, uh, you know, we're actually holding two things, one in each hand, and they are actually patterned after the Morse code. They go dot, dash, dot, dash, or dash, dash, dot. They do whatever pattern makes the client um, emotionally detox. And you can, of course, watch it the same as you do with the MDR, with your eyes, the heart rate, etc. And what the product is going to do eventually is also connect to a doctor's computer so he can grab okay, all okay. the information and uh, he'll be able to automatically have his research done. So wow. is this, uh, conceptually, are we talking about re-baselining the default mode network or taking the fear threshold and putting it back to like a factory setting? Well, I don't like to look at it in those paradigms. I like to look at it that when all these traumas form, they, for lack of a better word, they, like emotions store on nodes, irrationally stored. And consequently, let's, let's say as a child, you were, you had a firecracker thrown at you and the fear was more than your little brain at that time could handle. So the brain took and put it over on a node of fear. And then as it went through life, it uh, picked up some more. Then it goes over to Baghdad, and Baghdad gets the big blow up that night that, you know, the soldiers all saw. And that this is an activating event that the fear of things blowing up was really inordinate. And when I detoxed that particular soldier, we took it all the way back, and we found that the reason Baghdad was so bad is it related to this 4th of July firecracker incident. Okay, and so, so as, as we're doing that, we're detoxing, we're unraveling that node right back to childhood. And the right. same thing is true with um, violence, road violence, family violence. It starts as a child. Maybe the father, you know, really reprimanded the child very sternly, but more than the child could store at that time through his memory. So all that authoritative stuff comes, comes gets piled on one node. Then we now he gets to the point where you know he doesn't want to hear anybody tell him no, and we de- we detox that node all the way down to the child, and he understands where it began, and then it's done. Very easy, really. Much more simple than anything that EMDR is doing, and no big protocols. All that stuff is gone. Right. Well, what those what that scenario would have in common the firecracker as a kid, and then the big explosion in Baghdad as an adult what those two experiences would have in common is the irrational belief universally that somebody wants to hurt me. 
or I live in a scary world where people want to throw things at me that blow up. And so that isn't what he re- that isn't what he related. What he related was um, was the fire, the blast, the sound, and the fire blast. That's what he said was his problem. That meant what? It had to mean something. Well, he didn't take it beyond that. You know, I I don't push them if they want to take it beyond that. I, frankly, if it's done, I don't really care what we relate it to, as long as the situation is taken care of and it's ended. Mm-hmm. And what they tell me they have done, I accept it. Right. Um, well, I know, Trey, is, for our listeners that are trying to follow along and trying to understand this uh-huh. device that you've created and the system that you've created, it sometimes is helpful to try to put it into a concept that people could understand. For instance, if you have an event that takes place, you're either going to flow with it, you'll be in a state of flow and acceptance, or you'll be in a state of resistance. And the resistance would be the belief that whatever just happened should not have happened. And and you're creating a false reality where you want to live in a world where firecrackers don't get thrown at you. But the reality is, is you live in a world where firecrackers occasionally do get thrown at you. And we live in a world where nations go to war against each other and big explosions do happen. And yeah. and that's actually okay. It's, o- it's okay for us to be in this world and show up and participate in it because God put us here to be able to know that we're going to be okay. And exactly. so we're, we're, well, we're getting out of a state of resistance and moving back into a state of flow again. Yeah. And and that's fine. Your analogy is very good. I, I, I can see where you're going with it. I just don't um, usually take the client to that uh, definition unless the client is interested in it. Uh-huh. But most of the time, they're so relieved to feel this big burden lifted off of them, they don't care much about how it got there and what it means and everything else. It's done. And I, if, that, if that is what makes them happy, I stay there with that. Nice. You know? So I'm I'm curious how you so, came up with the uh, Morse code for the, uh, the well, sequence. <laughs> I came up with that because sometimes people will start to detox and they get stuck. And I found that if I change the beat or the dash, whatever it was, that it restarted them. And so that's what really brought that to it. And I also found that not just a beat or a thump, thump, thump worked. I needed to have longer beats and shorter beats, and that's what really pushed it forward for me. Hmm. There's, a, a wow. device, there's a device that I played around with that a gentleman in Florida discovered. A client wears headphones. You bring up an activating event, and it has a uh-huh. tone. And you actually are, you you have the client turn it up as loud as they can stand it while they're thinking about this negative event. And then you have uh-huh. them turn the volume down. And by turning the volume down, the mind is saying, okay, this, this whole event in my mind doesn't need to be this intense. And I can literally just turn it down to a point where hmm. I can live with it. And it's not screaming in my ear any longer. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at yeah. it as well. It is an interesting way, but um, is it really detoxed? Is it gone, or is it just suppressed? Good question. 
Well, that's a whole the, new program, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that could so, be. <laughs> if I can interrupt you guys just for a second, we've got Linda. I think Linda, are you on? Yes, I'm here, and I'm 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 riveted to this conversation because Diane mentioned it, just touched on this last week, and and I was really intrigued. You know, and you know, Diana, Diane, hi. You know, she and I share really, 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 you know, similar, you know, right on uh, philosophies about keeping things simple. And I look at at what what you know in 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 my simplistic philosophy. What I do is try to bring everything down into very easy language that people can understand. And, and, and then, of course, they can go into more advanced modalities. But this is just for their basic, you know, baseline, their home use. And I tell people, you know, that we're, we're all born in, you know, in, into purity, into love and joy, and everything, that's, everything else is, is a learned behavior in the process. So here's Diane coming up and other people, but, you know, what, what, what Diane is doing is, is deconditioning people from uh, this trauma, which, which I think is, is wonderful. And then, you know, how you can, what you call detox is just a perfect, uh, a, a perfect word for that. And turning down the, bo- the volume that, 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 uh, that Jeff mentioned and, and are we getting into, you know, suppression or are we actually releasing it? One of the techniques that I have used when I need to change my behavior is very similar. I use rapid blinking, and this is just yes. a, a little thing that I can do myself. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Diane? And I'd, I'd like to hear well, if you have any comments on one, that. And ha- that's one of the symptoms or the manifestations that you get when you do this work. Uh, it's how you oh. know that they're detoxing. So you, you ha- have them hold uh, an event, and then you have the bilateral stimulation go on, and you just tell them, let their brain take them wherever it needs to go. And you will find, you know, every once in a while you say, where are you now and what's going on? And sometimes you have to hold them in the, in the minute. And um, you, you, you just, it's so simple. And honestly, Linda, it's hard to tell everybody what I do. Because there's... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, I, it goes so fast and they detox so quickly once the brain t- touches that that negative node, and I don't know where else to, what else to tell, tell you it is except a negative node. And once uh-huh. it starts unraveling, it just sits right down to childhood. And if you don't go down to childhood, you haven't got the core issue. I, that, that I know for sure. Um, Perfect. And all my ca- cases are that way. Don't stop at teenage. Push them back, 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 back. Keep telling them, go back, go back. Okay, and so Diane, you know, are we able to do something on YouTube like this so people can see this? Well, I haven't thought about it to tell you the truth. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I we mean, probably do some helping, kind of a demo. It's helping people. It sounds uh-huh. like it's helping people. If it is, we need to get it out there. Well, I agree. Yeah? I agree. Um, the biggest thing is getting it manufactured. You know, this, that's a very costly proposition. I've got it through de- uh, the engineering process, but that manufacturing is a big chunk of money. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. that's, that's where we are right now, you know. But I have to tell you, this is so simple. It's, it's amazing. It's, in fact, sometimes when I detox children, they go so fast, I don't charge the patients. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. Ten minutes? 
<laughs> so um, you know, take them home and start having a good day, you know? Go home and, and, and have fun. Let me ask you this, <laughs> Diane. You know, as you know, I work with, with, with people on basic life practices, and as a professional, would you, uh, you know, I, I use this rapid blinking technique. Uh, do you uh-huh. recommend that? Or do, you, do you have other techniques that I could recommend for people? Um, well, see, my technique brings the rapid eye, move, uh, rapid eye movement out. You know, you could, maybe you could do with some people is to tap them on the table if you don't have the device and see if you can. You know, some people that are really ready to, to pop open and ready to get rid of the emotions can do that. But not everybody yeah. can. They actually need the physical things in your hand. And you'll well, notice I... that when anybody detoxes and they get rid of these emotions, they'll start yawning in your office. They, they'll tell yes. you, I can't wait to go home and take a nap. They have unloaded such a burden of emotion that they're exhausted. Absolutely. And children will actually fall asleep in my office for three or four minutes, and then they're up and they're ready, and they're all done. Uh-huh. So I should I should clarify what I'm using this for. Uh, a lot of my work is getting people to shift their thoughts and, you know, to, to stop a certain line of thinking, of negative thinking of, 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 of that pollution and moving themselves into Linda, more positive. Linda, I, I, wanna, yeah? I didn't get a chance to introduce you. And I want people oh. to know what you do. Linda is an author, and she's written this book called "Quiet the Mind," and uh, it's been very successful. And I just—that's why you're here. We we'll talked about that. So, could you mention that? Uh, talked about that, Linda. Uh, sh- sure. Uh, my name is Linda Dirks, and my organization is called Spin Straw to Gold, which is health and happiness through higher awareness. And my major program is Quiet Mind Mental Wellness, which is based on my my own success, bringing my, you know, investigating over years and years, you know, leading edge practices and 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 uh, using them on myself. And I'm now eight years free of uh, any symptoms or medication for depression and bipolar disorder. And of course, you know, I know that I'm here to be an instrument and and a messenger, and I just want to share my success with the world. So I've become an author and a speaker. Uh, my book is called Quiet Mind, How to Create Freedom from Depression and Anxiety, and that's the backbone of this Quiet Mind Mental Wellness Program. I'm just completing a, a 12-week module of successive uh, six lessons that follow the book, and that's free of charge on Facebook. So you'll find me on Facebook at Linda Dirk's Quiet Mind, uh, the book, uh, Quiet Mind, How to Create Freedom from Depression and Anxiety, is available on, on Amazon. And my website is, is um, spinstrawtogoldnow.com. So that's, that's the basis of what I do. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, part of this book, which is written in very simple language and, and bullet points, is the importance of professional help and, and, and counseling. So I really admire counselors and, 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 and doctors like Diane who are looking into alternative practices that will really help people because we're starting to see that there's just too much, you know, throw a dart at the board with, with, with psychiatric drugs. And a recent study that I was looking at was telling me that uh, antidepressants were, had only really only a marginal improvement over placebos. So, well, can I add something to that? 
the plan well, I have found was that when I have found I've got depression or they're on medication, you would you withdraw the medi- the medicine and the problem is still there. They're not intended to get rid of problems. They're intended to control behavior. So that's a big difference, you know. Um, if, if you're if you're taking drugs and thinking it's going to be like a penicillin, it's not going to work like that. I'll also tell you something else of this that I have found extremely successful. I work with schizophrenics, and I can't remove the schizophrenia, but what I can remove is all the programming they have stuffed inside of them about their diagnosis, oh, and they live oh. up to God they live you. up to the diagnosis. And it, it, it repeatedly, they are worse than they need to be because they thought they were worse. And they mm-hmm. just act out those thoughts. And it's really sad because they can be cleared away from it, and they can be very self, you know, they will medicate, they'll, they'll be aware of their prescriptions, they'll do it correctly, and they're aware they have a problem, but the problem doesn't have to look like a monster. And it's This is exactly thing. why our veterans are having problems right now. Yep. Yes, and you have your PTSD. I I call it do not own the identity. You know, don't well, one, of, one of the yeah. one of the biggest mistakes that I made when I was ill was identifying myself as a sick person. And as soon as yeah. I identified myself as a sick person, I became sicker. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly uh, what you're saying. What do you have when you have behavior management classes for children? They, they all go in, they all know they have a behavior problem, and they sink to the lowest behavior in the class. Oh. See, they're all reinforced to believe they got a problem, and now they got somebody to show how bad they can really act out. Mm-hmm. These behavior okay. management programs are so unsuccessful. It's, it's almost criminal that they set them up for children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, there's a lot to be said That's about, why it's great for people land. to be able to... What, Joseph? There's a lot to be said about this. I, I'm, I'm, Jeff knows that we've had shows on, I'm an advocate for children, and I, we've had shows on, on kids, and oh, my God, there's so much to be done. And, and yes, uh, there is. And I'm so happy we're talking about this because so I really many believe times, that. Uh, yeah. So many times they're just put on Ritalin or whatever it is to, to dumb them down, so to speak. And we see mm-hmm. this all the time. And none of this is necessary. I mean, you can detox them. I think one of the more difficult diagnoses to, dip, uh, to work with is reactive detachment disorder. That, that can you, can you, you know, define that, uh, please, Diane? It goes back, reactive detachment goes back to early birth with Bowlby's detaching work or, or attaching work. And um, these children cannot, cannot bond with anybody. Where I see these children coming from most is through adoption. And I had very severe cases this of three children that were adopted out of Russia. And they're, they, they absolutely have no feelings towards humanity. None at all. They can hurt you. They can, they can be with you. They, they don't like to be with you because you're worthless to them. You're nothing in their world. It's a very callous life. And um, this is the one that is, you know, this is the one that takes a lot of smarts to work with it. Awesome. You know, I think that's. A, I think we can need to talk about this at a different time because that's a whole program that I want to talk about. Because I was a probation officer a thousand years ago, 
And let me tell uh-huh. you something. I can tell you stories that curl your hair. And uh, and I, I believe that these, I'm a champion for kids, always have been, always will be. I think these guys get a raw deal. And I want to let people know that uh, we got to do something about this. I've said this for a long time. One's in foster homes, one's at, um, I was a teacher at Capitol High School for a year. I special, special, um, special ed. And I'm telling you, um, not every child is a problem. Um, unfortunately, I say this with a lot of love. A lot of the problems are the parents that don't know how to take care of their children or how to interact exactly. with them. Exactly. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, all children children have problems. You know? Nobody wants to hear that. But I remember at Mercer Island when I was going, my kids went to school there, and they asked me to be on the board, and I just said, well, just so you know, if there's a troubled kid, mostly there's a troubled parent. And they went, okay, thank you. Never called me back. Nobody wants and to that was it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I should also tell well, you, I worked that's at, a whole, at the... That's a whole different road, We I want to do something on this and really talk about this because we have lots to offer. But, but we were mainly talking about depression, anxiety, and, you know, suicides. I happen to have... We had a suicide in our family last month. I'm sorry to say that uh, was really uh, just just we, I was blown away by it because I, I didn't I didn't see it coming. And me mm-hmm. of all people, I, I I see that coming. But just I just and Diane, you talked to her and you knew the story, and so yeah, um, yeah. Well, you don't so always see just, suicide coming if that's not abnormal. You know, um, adults will always make what I think is a final call before they actually do it. They'll call somebody, and very often we can get to them and save them. But children are the ones that are committing suicide, and it's very difficult because children talk and talk and talk. Then all of a sudden they'll get real quiet, and that's when you have to watch out because they're planning something that you need to know right now, you know? Yes. Yeah, and I'll say yeah. a word, if I, if I might, about how pervasive the, the issue is. I was uh, teaching a, a workshop at one time, and to make people comfortable, I, I asked everybody to stand up. And I said, if you have never had an issue with depression or anxiety, you can sit down. And I think there were 20 people in the, in, in the room, and all and everyone sat down except two people. And so stigma has to be has to you know has to come into the conversation at some point because like any other issue that you want to deal with the more people talk about it openly the more they share uh, their experiences the you know little things that have helped for me hey have you tried this so you know getting open to that uh, I was reading this, uh, recently that May is uh, mental health awareness month so this is a, a great time to to you know bring up these issues. I've just uh, finished a piece this morning that's going to become a free download on my website on natural remedies for depression and anxiety. And, you know, one of the things that we point out is that one of these upsurges when we come out of the coronavirus issue, a lot of paradigms are going to break down, and I hope that healthcare is one of them. I hope that that will be on on the horizon where you know natural remedies and especially self-empowerment become essential if we're be- if we're going to become a healthier and happier society and more importantly with affordable health care 
I, I work yeah. with a naturopathic daughter, doctor who gives me healthier alternatives to pharmaceuticals and even for things like blood pressure, acid reflux, you know, you know the, the medications that you take can actually cause depression. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's yes, absolutely correct. Yes. Yep. So the more people can get into these types of of, of alternatives, the, the, the systems that Diane is looking in, the you know the baseline behaviors that I teach people, and the more you can we can make, get them to trust and to move away from, you know, we have this this needle in the groove of conventional healthcare. And you know, people are finally waking up to to seeing that you know <laughs> it's 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 not in its current form. It's not working well. And as a professional, I'd love to to hear what Diane has to say about that. Well, you know, I've been advertising drugless therapy since I opened my office 35 years ago. <laughs> so, does that tell you what I what I have to say about this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll get teenagers in my office that have 12 different types of medicine. They take one at 8 in the morning, you know, another one at 9 30. That, that, uh, that they is, have a cocktail. So they take it all day. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a doctor. I had a doctor who was a pharmacist before he was a doctor. And every time we would go in the doctor's office to be seen, he would take away medication. And that's what I'd like to see happen to so many people, you know, is, right. is that we can be able to, you know, and I want to say that we have lots of military people who listen up at DuPont, a lot of my friends, and I, and I can't imagine, I mean, I was in the military, but that was years ago, but I can't imagine now with all this stuff going on that their husbands have to leave and, and, it, and it, all the anxiety and all this stuff. And I just wanted to say something about that. I want well, to jump in for a second and talk about, there's a film called Idiocracy. And there's a part of the film where a guy goes, he has a, it's a time travel thing, and he goes into the future, and he lands in a world where crops are being uh, irrigated with Gatorade, that the government <laughs> created a contract with, the makers of Gatorade because it was good for, you know, the corporate world. And he shows up and the problem is like, hey, our plants aren't growing. He's like, well, you can't water crops with Gatorade. You need water. So the reason <laughs> I'm bringing this up, and we look at that, it's, you know, we look at that as like, well, well duh. So the reason that pharmaceuticals don't work is because we're energy systems living in a physical body. So psychiatry and science is so invested in the physical that they're not aware of the energetic expression that the human body has and the soul and the spirit. With the two primary energies of being love and fear, what we're not doing is the work that it takes to stay in the energy of love by walking barefoot, by drinking clean water, by listening to the crickets vibrate, by Mother Earth vibrates the energy of love. And we're so disconnected from it now because we're living in a digital world and we live inside and we're actually got barriers that prevent us from saturating ourselves in the energetic expression of love. 
and we're watching TV shows and playing video games, and we're just loading our mind with fear-based programming. And all of that creates trauma, significant trauma. It's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And because we're primarily lazy, we want a pill to make us feel better. So it's the perfect storm for the pharmaceuticals to come along and say, hey, we have a solution for this. It's called Brozac. It's called all these different names for these. And it will never work because something physical is not going to change your vibration out of fear back into love again. Well, and, you know, this is a... Go ahead. I, I was finished. Oh, okay. You know, the children, if you think about it, who is the person that sees them other than the parents right after they're born? The pediatrician. And guess what the pediatrician does? It picks up from there, and every little thing that child has, it's a pill, it's cough syrup, it's something else, you know, it's it's always something that requires medication. So children are schooled for the quick fix. You go to the doctor and you get a pill and I'm going to be better. Mm. And the parents are... Yeah, right. exactly. And parents are tuned into that now. And if it works for the kids, they try it for themselves. So we got a population that's pill-popping under guidance. My mother was the worst example, and she taught that to the rest of us as kids. I just... Uh, the issue of electronics and electromagnetic frequency is, is one of my largest issues. And I remember a program from uh, 60 Minutes on TV where they referred to, Jeff, exactly what you were saying as brain hacking, saying never have the lives of so many been in the hands of so few. Right. And we're getting to a point where we're outsourcing our creativity and you know, my higher source impresses in on me all the time the concept of life force. How are we generating life force in our lives? How are we generating that flow of intellectuality, creativity, curiosity, that that creative impulse that you know that makes that quark want to rise to the surface? This is you know an innate force in all of us, and you know slowly this is being shut down, and our 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 brains are being, you know, reprogrammed where we're losing our innate abilities of perception and intuition as we rely on an electrical device for everything in our lives. This is the one thing about this terrible virus that's going around is that people are forced, yeah, forced, I guess probably the word, to stay home and to interact with their families and to go for walks on the, in the, on the, to do all the things that no one had time for before. Yeah, yes, that's a hopeful way of looking at it. And hopefully they well, can fight the resistance to just sit in front of the TV for a half a day and watch more Netflix. Well, that's that's or listen to, or listen to CNN for twenty minutes and you want to take your oh, risk. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm about to finish this 12-week module, and I can't wait just to go in and, and clean out things. I'm, I'm already, you know, looking at, you know, things in my computer like e-books that I've been saving, you know, for years and, and reading to do and, 
you know, what I really would like to do is go out and go for some exciting hikes. You know, I know that a lot of the trails will be closed, but there's always, you know, it's that sense of discovery. It's that sense of adventure that, that really, so Linda, you know. So, so Linda, um, tell people again how to reach your Facebook so they can tune in and watch some of your things. Well, the one coming up this week, ironically, is is uh, on electronics and, and electromagnetic frequency. Uh, and the following week, uh, I've, I'm just writing the one on on uh, natural remedies. So this is a perfect time to, for people to tune in. Again, it is free. And I'm on Facebook at Linda Dirk's Quiet Mind. And I have so much, you know, just like Di- Diane, I can hear it, you know, coming out of her voice. And I feel the same way, how wonderful it is to be able to help people and, and the kind of satisfaction that lies, you know, behind that. You know, this is why we, in what we do, have been put on this earth at this time. You know, we're all feeding into, you know, a new surge of, of, of change as professionals, as light workers. You know, we're seeing these points of consciousness coming from, from all over the place. And when we, and we, when we see the potential of, you know, creating that that higher vibration, of that that space of well-being and contentment, and I and I hear Jeff and I hear Diane and I hear you, Joseph, always, you know, coming back to teaching, you know, the basic of of love and joy, and, and that higher vibration. So do we have Dr. You know, Morris on? Say that again, sweetheart. Dr. Morris, are you there? No, I haven't. Okay, okay. I was thinking who's going to join us, but that's all right. Um, well, guys, um, so Jeff, you've been awful quiet, so what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking of all of the different things we've been discussing, and still uh, Diane has used the word detox with regard to events in a node of the mind and i was just contemplating what makes that a toxic stored it's a vibratory somehow that vibration has become distorted uh, and she's calling that toxic and so the process of restoring that energetic packet of energy back to a harmonic frequency to get it back into the frequency of love would be a way of conceptually understanding what's taking place there. And I know that maybe that's not necessary for the patient to understand that, but I do believe as a therapist who has a whole bunch of younger therapists under my supervision, I have to teach them to conceptually understand what it is that they're doing so that they can be in flow with what's actually happening. you know, and that's what theories are written about, and that's what, how all the research is done so that we could create an, a, an agreement of what we think is happening there so that we can generate it uh, amongst all of us. But, you know, again, Jeff, uh, all, Jeff, all of our education, right down through the doctorate degree, has taught us to talk, 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 therapy talks. And, you know, if you think about what talking does... It rehearses the problem, and and it makes the story brighter and longer and more embellished every time they tell it, whereas doing some of these alternative therapies 
and stopping the talking and let the brain do its work, we get results. And right. Well, so, so the repeated talking is just re, is, is, is just you, you know, re, regrooving that neural pathway so that you run down That's that right. road again and again and again and again. That's right. And by the time they get to us, they usually have seen several therapists. So they've told their story several times, plus to family and friends. And now they're really good at it. That story is long and bright and descriptive, you name it. And that's just, it's just gotten worse over the years. And unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. what happens is every story, every person they talk to is different. Not everyone has the same ideas on how to make this person well. And so they, you know, they give us all this input. And by the time you're all set, you don't know what the hell you're doing. There's a lot of truth to that. They're all yeah. confused. It also it also creates an opening where they can place the blame somewhere, and they and they and they fall into that trap rather than creating an opening where they where they pull themselves out. They you know they're stuck in that I've been done dirt. Yep. Self examination yep. comes very hard to people. It's hard to hard to be critical and do a, a self-searching exam of what you're really doing. But and that's what I think part, I think part of that is because we're, we're not adept on the other end. We're not adept at self-acceptance and self-esteem. If we had really bulletproof self-esteem, then we'd backslide into that place. And this is one of the things, you know, I don't have children, so I, you know, I never went through this process, but I think one of the greatest things you can, you can teach children is just fabulous self-esteem, and self-acceptance. Absolutely. Self-confidence. Yes. Because yes. then they're not going to fall into that, that, that blame, that grudge, that you've done me dirt thing. They're going to have a higher vision of themselves that's going to pull them up. Again, it's going to be that, that cork that rises to the surface. That's right. You know, very quick exercise that I love to share with people is to have them envision the moment of their birth and being handed to their mother, and ah. that, moment, that moment of acceptance, how pure and how there were no requirements for the child. The child didn't have to perform anything except being present, being born, and breathing. Those were the only two requirements in order for them to be held, loved, and appreciated by their mother. In most cases, not everybody had that hospital birth experience or was handed to a mother, but they were handed to somebody. Somebody held them somewhere and went, oh, how precious. This is a brand new little life that has value and worth and is lovable and is acceptable. And in that moment, they were 100% lovable, acceptable, and worthy of love. And that has actually never changed. It, the, the reality of that has never changed, but the belief systems have changed dramatically that we think we have to go to school and get smiley faces on our report cards and gold stars and make our bed and get a job and go to school. We, we become performance-based beings. We become beings of doing rather than just beings of being. So when I can take them all the way back and just have them within moments visualize themselves as a brand new baby being handed to mom for the first time, and mom receives you and loves you, even if you have a horrible relationship with your mother as an adult, there was a moment in time where you were received and you were acceptable. And that actually has never changed. 
And then what I like to have people do is visualize themselves as an adult holding their infant self. And I now say, now it's your job to take care of that little baby. And you love and nurture and accept and hold on to that little baby and don't ever let him go. And it just, you know, you, it, that, that just erases years of self-doubt and self-deformation and self-rejection. And it's, it's a fabulous gift to be able to offer somebody to see that you are lovable, you are acceptable, you are worthy, you always have been and you always will be. And now it's your job to practice that. You have to practice it over and over and over again. Tell it to yourself every day. Once you yes, are loved and you accept it. Yes. That is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. And just, yes, you know, running through the image myself, I can see the power behind it. But as all of you guys know, the power of that visualization, the power of that imagery is, is going is to settle right into the subconscious brain. I think that's brilliant. I wish I'd had that a couple of weeks ago when I was writing that module. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we have this show. Well, you know, it's I'm so pleased of all of you, all of you on this show with us. I mean, Jeff, you know, Jeff and I go way back. Jeff's been on my show, gosh, for the last 10 years, I think. And, um, and Diane, I, Diane and I are friends for a long time. And, of course, Linda is the author of that wonderful book. But, you know, we only have about five more minutes, guys, and it, it seems so how fast this hour goes. Um, and I just want to thank you all for being here and, and sharing your knowledge with all of us out here. And, um, well, you're welcome, and it's our honor, yes. <laughs> so just wrap it up and tell me what, how to close. You guys, um, you have a couple of minutes before we have to... Enough. Well, if I could have another minute and just continue on with this, the, the real struggle is that there were studies done that have been repeated each decade that suggested when I first started studying psychology about 30 years ago myself, the data at that time was left alone, the mind on autopilot will be thinking something negative about 70% of the time. And today where we are with that same study of just let your brain go and just capture your thoughts. And there was a panel of judges that decided, is this a positive thought or a negative thought? And they gather all the data up. And today we're at about 85% of the time people are thinking something negative, whether it's slightly negative or full negative. Negative is negative, and that's a fear-based thought process. So we also know that only somewhere between 2 to 5% of our mind is conscious so we have to consciously be overriding all of these automatic negative thoughts that constantly bombard our whole system. And it's like we, we, have, we have to do what the Apostle Paul said, you know, pray without ceasing. But instead of using the word prayer, how about if we just exchange that with positive affirmations and positive mindset of constantly, I am lovable, I am acceptable, I'm whole, I'm complete, I lack for nothing. But that program has to be something on your mind it doesn't ever shut off, because as soon as it does, we're going to go to the 85% negative. And I'll bet you today, if that study was done today, we're probably pushing the 95% envelope of just what's happening presently on the planet right now. Most people are probably 95% of the time thinking something negative right now. 
which doesn't have to be that way. But you're going to have to get involved and train yourself how to constantly repeat to yourself over and over again, I'm lovable, I'm acceptable, I lack for nothing, I have value and worth. It's my job to love myself. It's not anybody else's job to love me but me. <laughs> no, hey, Jeff, remember the guy we had on the radio where he said, you need to marry yourself? Yeah, affair with yourself. Yeah, and we we laughed about that, but he was so right. You have to stand in front of the mirror and you have to say, you know, you're okay. I yep. love you. Yeah, and Dennis Rodman did that for us, and we all laughed at him. Right. <laughs> Dennis Rodman put on a wedding dress and had an official ceremony when he married himself. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway, Diane, Linda, Jeff, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. Well, it's our pleasure. I hope Joe. we uh, <laughs> I hope we made I, some sense today, and I hope that people. Do I do I have time to add like a just a quick comment? Sarah? Sure, sure. I just want to tell people that over 15 years, I took 12 different medications. And the side effects were, were just got to the point where I just started doing this work. And I just want to reinforce to people, do not buy into that identity, and you can do it. And there are plenty of us that are there and just saying, here, take my hand. Let me show you the way. Come with me. Let me help you. And you talked about this on your Facebook uh, I talk about that constantly in everything I do is the personal connection and saying I'm right on the other side. I'm right on the other side working with you and that, that personal co- connection and reinforcing people that they are, they are never, ever alone. That's very true. Not possible to be alone. We have one minute left, guys, so... Um we got to wrap this up, so I just want to say, again, thank you, Jeffrey. You've always been right on with us, and um, Dr. Diane Byron, thank you so much. And, Linda, thank you for your book. Thank you for the information. And thank you for the opportunity, Joseph. It's always such a pleasure. And, Diane, it's wonderful to get to know you and your work, and Jeff, you as well. Likewise. Yeah, let's, let's keep in touch. That's what that's what we do here. We we bring people together. And uh, anyway, I'm going to sign off, and I uh, want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, may somebody smile today. <laughs>